thanks for waking up early and coming. Uh, this is, um, yeah, our first ever Pizza in Theology, and it's opportunity opportunity to be able to go deep on uh, a couple of things, and we'll have some time for Q and A at the end of this. This more for the first part, I'll be speaking and I'll be talking about the Holy Spirit, and. Uh, I'm going to say a lot of scripture just because when talking about the Holy Spirit, um, yeah, I just don't, I'd rather just hide behind scripture, especially on this topic. Uh, and so I'll go ahead and start with um, reading Luke chapter 3, uh, verse 15. It says, um, the people were waiting expectantly, and I don't have a slide for this. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, and this is uh, verse 16. I don't know if I said that. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. I will baptize you with the whole, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the barn. And then it said, um, and then it says right after that, that uh, Jesus came to him to be baptized, baptized, and Jesus and he, John said to Jesus, oh, "Hold on, I just realized I'm not in the wrong place." Okay, there we go. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and it says that he was praying. And heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now, Je now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. So right there you have a picture of like the Trinity right off the bat. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, there's a s the Father speaking, the spirit coming down in the form of a dove. And then Jesus is the one who's praying after being baptized. They're, they're all in necessarily three different places. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, um, always a tricky subject because depending on what denomination you grew up in or depending on where you grew up, you probably heard something totally different. Some people grew up in environments where the Holy Spirit was always talked about. Uh, some people grew up in environments where... The Holy Spirit was talked about negatively, and some people grew up in environments where the Holy Spirit wasn't talked about at all. That was my that was my experience. Um, the last one, I didn't have any negative feelings. I grew up going to church. I was in church every almost every every Sunday of the year. Probably a few weeks out of the year, I was in church multiple times a week. And I grew up in a Baptist church, Southern Baptist. I, did anybody grow up Southern Baptist? Okay, there's a few. And um, you're a Catholic. That is not the same. <laughs> but, uh, in fact, you can leave. <laughs> but, um, no, actually, like, I, I really like Catholics. I actually have some praise for Catholics later on. But, uh, which is always fun when you can praise Catholics. But, um, not that you can't praise Catholics. I'll just move on. Uh, so regarding my experience, basically when it came to the Holy Spirit, it was the reason I knew that the Holy Spirit was something was because people got baptized and I saw it. 
And so when you got baptized, you say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because of what Jesus said in Matthew 28, he said, go and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we do. No matter what people believe about the Holy Spirit, everyone baptizes in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so that's what, that's what I knew, but then that was it. There was nothing else. No, no crazy stories, no cool experiences, just nothing, silence. And then I get around Chi Alpha, and I start reading people like D.O. Moody and Jonathan Edwards and John Wesley and people all across different denominations, and they're saying different things about the Holy Spirit and experiences with the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, what's going on? What is this? And so today, I am going to spend some time talking about who the Holy Spirit is. Then we'll go and talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that he does. And I forgot to start, start my timer. I guess that means I have extra time. And then uh, I'll say a little bit about the gifts of the Spirit. And then we'll have some time for Q&A. And then that's probably where I'll give a lot more of my opinion. But uh, I hope that, I, okay, so... We'll, uh, we'll just, I'll just jump right in when it comes to, I have a lot of scripture, so I hope you're ready to read, because that's, yeah, I'm just, just kind of warning you ahead of time. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is right off the back, it's, it's just like it is when it comes to Jesus' ministry, it's not like the Holy Spirit came up late in Jesus' ministry, and that's where the Holy Spirit's talked about. Right from the back, right when Jesus' ministry starts, we see the Holy Spirit. In fact, we see the Holy Spirit working even before Jesus is born because it's said that Mary was conceived through the Holy Spirit. And so, like, it's, and then, I mean, you could go and read about John the Baptist, who was uh, kind of a predecessor to Jesus, and read about his experiences with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. It's the only person we've ever heard of in history who's had that. That's kind of cool. I wish I had that. But when it comes to the Bible, how early do we see the Holy Spirit? Anybody want to take a guess? We're in Genesis. What did you say, Brandon? All right, well, let's see. Let's see. Brandon said, I think Brandon said this. In Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we see the Holy Spirit involved in creation. And then it says in Genesis 6-3, the Holy Spirit is mentioned again. It says, Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal and their days will be 120 years old. Basically, there's a lot of sin going on, a lot of really bad things going on. And God was like, My spirit will not dwell with you forever." We're going to shorten the life, uh, your lifetime so that basically so that the Holy Spirit can be less grieved. And I'll get into that in a second. But you see like the Holy Spirit dealing with men, inter- interacting with men. Some things about the Holy Spirit, and I should have this up here, but the Holy Spirit, a couple things about what the Holy Spirit is not. And I think I have that up here. Yes, the Holy Spirit before I say what the Holy Spirit is, I want to say a couple of things about what the Holy Spirit is not. The Holy Spirit is not enthusiasm and excitement. Those are great things, but that's not the Holy Spirit. When you feel all excited and emotional, that's that doesn't mean like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. Like you can be excited and emotional with having experience with the Holy Spirit, but that 
that's not how that works. Also, the Holy Spirit is not energy. It's not like just some vague energy where it's like, oh, the Holy Spirit is just there and he just kind of passes through you. But it's like, yeah, that's not how the Bible describes him. He describes him. He's not this vague energy. And also, another thing the Holy Spirit is not is he's not a physical material body. A couple times we have like interactions where the Holy Spirit is like seen as like the Holy Spirit coming down in the form of a dove. But we don't really have any descriptions as the Holy Spirit. And even like God, God the Father is not described as having a body in the same way that we do either. Only Jesus came down and the word became flesh. Jesus became flesh. That's why he was distinct. But the Holy Spirit is a spirit. Now, in saying that he is a spirit, he is a person. And that's the first thing I want to say about what he is. The Holy Spirit is a person. A person. Not just some, not like Casper the Friendly Ghost where, you know, like you can kind of like see him and he's around. And well, actually only if you're like that special girl who could see him and a few other people, then, then they could see Casper. But for the most part, most people can't see him. Like, it's not like that. He's not a ghost. He is a person. He's a person in the Godhead. He is the third person of the Godhead. In fact, we have it in Genesis 1, going back to Genesis 1 again, and I think I'm skipping. Uh, I should be skipping ahead to say this, or maybe I'm not skipping anything at all. It says, when human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters, oh, Jordan, I'm reading Genesis 6, my bad. Go back or go forward. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it said, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Let us make mankind in our image. God is talking. God is talking to himself. It's the three persons interacting. That's, that's the first picture that we have of that. And some people are like, oh, well, that's a stretch, but I don't think it is. It's consistent throughout Scripture where we have these interactions where God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all interacting with one another. That's why Jesus goes so far to say things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then we'll read some Scriptures later on where Jesus says specifically, if you have seen me, the Holy Spirit is has come. To, he, he is he will come to glorify me. And basically, I am a demonstration of the Holy Spirit, just as I am a demonstration of the father as well. If you've seen one, you've seen them all They They all share the same character. Just going on a little bit further, not only is the Holy Spirit like when we think about like the Holy Spirit as a person of the Godhead, he's also a person. He's a person who has feelings. He's a person who, who has, like, when you think of a person, intelligence, you ha that's how you have to take the Holy Spirit. And we see that throughout Scripture. That was the reason why I jumped ahead to that super random Scripture in Genesis 6 where it says, where I talked about the it, human beings began to increase in number on the earth, and the daughters were born to them, and the Son of God saw that, and the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful. Not going to get into what that verse really means. But it says they married one. They married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, "My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal and their days are hundred will be a hundred and twenty-five years." 
the Holy Spirit in that moment is in fact it says a little bit later it says God was grieved that he made man like there's like feelings connected with this connected with the Holy Spirit and we see it also in Isaiah 63 yet they rebelled and this is talking about the people in the people walking through the desert through the wilderness and it says yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit so he continued and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. Then his people recalled the, the days of old and the days of Moses and his people. Where, where is he who brought them through the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who set his Holy Spirit among them, who sent his glorious arm of, arm of power to be at Moses' right hand, who divided the waters before them to gain for himself an everlasting crown? Who led them through the depths like a horse in open country? They did not stumble like cattle that go go down to the plain. They were given rest by the spirit of the Lord. This is how you guided your people to make yourself a glorious name. And then in first Thessalonians 519, it says, do not quench the spirit. These are just some of the verses. There's many verses that talk about the Holy Spirit interacting with people in a way where there's responses where there's frustrations and excitements. And then the other thing I want to say about who the Holy Spirit is, is Jesus started pointing at the very end of his ministry. He started pointing to the fact that, hey, I'm not going to be here anymore, and there's going to be someone who's going to replace me. And, and we see that working itself out after Jesus, Jesus died because when people prayed, they, they said they, 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 when they prayed, there was, an, there was a calling upon the Holy Spirit to come and intercede and work in their situations. It wasn't a calling out to Jesus. It wasn't, hey, Jesus, come back. Hey, Jesus, come back. It was, it was calling on the Holy Spirit to show up in circumstances in their lives. And we'll read more about that in a bit. But it says in John 14, 15, 25, this is a pretty long passage, but it's, I mean, if you want to, this is like the, this is like the real meat of what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit coming. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. We always hear that verse, but then right after it, it says all this, and we hear little about this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Or some, it's in some translations it says, or versions it says, comforter, to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. For he lives in you, for he lives with you and will be in you. Will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not, the, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will, will love them, and we will, we will come to them and make our home with them. We will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And this I have spoken 
while still with you. And then Jesus says in chapter 16, but when the Holy Spirit, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what he is, what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive, that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit will demonstrate Jesus to all of us. That's, that's what will happen. That's what is happening. That's what you see throughout Scripture. And so that's kind of a bit on who the Holy Spirit is. Super Scripture heavy, I know. In the Bible, it's pretty clear, and this is a super contentious thing to say, but it's just, it's just, it's what the Bible says. It's not enough to have one baptism. That's just, it's, that's what the Bible says. One baptism isn't enough. One baptism deals with your past, but the Bible says that there's another baptism that deals with your future. And Jesus says specifically, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, he says specifically in Acts 1, It says on one occasion, this is after Jesus is risen, and this is right before he leaves for good. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my my father promised you, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he said and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates that the father has set in, in his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus did not want them to leave and to go and start really doing ministry until they had been baptized. By his Holy Spirit. That's what it says. And, I, and I'll read that verse again that we said earlier in John fourteen seven. the spirit of truth, the word cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. The reason that whole issue of like, OK, I remember the first time I talked about the Holy Spirit, somebody came to me and they were quite mad. Um, uh, no one was here who was when that happened. Christopher was there, but they were pretty mad at me. And they were like, how could you say that Christians aren't? How could you say that because I haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit or because I haven't asked to receive this, I am any more or less of a Christian? I've been saved. I believe in Jesus. That's not biblical. And that wasn't that didn't come from me. That was what I took from what the Bible says. Like in Ephesians 1:13, it says, and you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our seal, and we do receive an indwelling of the Spirit when we believe in the Lord. But I am not willing to say that the disciples weren't saved when Jesus told them that in Acts 1 to wait for the Holy Spirit. In fact, I think they were saved. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 17, but you know him, you know the spirit of truth, for he lives with you, but he will be in you. It's different. 
And one of my one of the best examples you see of this is Acts 19. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 in all. So they were saved. They believed. But this is a different experience. And it's not like it's not one time that it says that, but this is said multiple times. And so I. uh, I remember. Some of y'all have heard me tell this story before. So basically a few years ago, uh, I am I drive a really big truck now that's very loud, but I used to drive a little Kia Soul. I loved my car uh, as much as Damani hated it and reminded me how much he hated me, hated it. I loved it. Um, it was the only thing, the only problem with it though was the horn. It was like kind of like soft, so I, I never used it no matter what happened. Like you could cut me off 10 times in a row. I didn't use that horn because I was like, if, if you hear it, you're going to laugh. And, and then you still won't, you know, stop cutting me off. So there's no point in using it. But also, it was the, en- the engine sounded like a lawnmower engine. It was like, it was like, it was, you almost, you, you barely even knew if it was on. And so, basically, the engine was already kind of, you know, light sounding, uh, n- not manly. I'll say it like that. Well, one, it started having, basically, I had a check engine light come on, which is the worst thing, because you never know what, what it means. It's like one of 25 different issues. You, you don't know what, what it could be, but the check engine light comes on, and I was like, all right, what could be the problem? And then I start having trouble going up hills, but it's a manual, so it shouldn't be transmission issues. So I'm like, well, if it's not transmission issues, even though it feels like transmission issues, why won't it go uphill? Why is it when it goes when it goes uphill, it's like, <laughs> and it keeps skipping, and I'm like, man, what's the problem with this car? And so, anyways, I. You know, have Justin Myers, uh, who is quite wise when it comes to cars. He helps me. He helps me out, and he looks at it, and he's like, "Oh man, Jordan, you have a car. Your car basically is not firing on, on all cylinders. You have a spark spark plug issue. So you, your car is basically you have four cylinders, and only three are firing. So you're not at full strength. Your your the car is able to move. You can get around. You could drive around like this for a long time and be okay." But it's not at full strength. And so when you go uphill, you're going to feel that you're not able to go up with the power that you should have. And that is probably the best picture that I have been able to like. It helps me to really understand like, okay, like the Holy Spirit is different when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not it's not about it's not about the past. It's not about whether I'm a Christian or not or whether I'm accepted or loved or invited by God. It's about 
me being able to fire at on all cylinders as a Christian to be able to operate in the way that God has called us to. Jesus didn't want the disciples to go and start doing ministry without the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they were not going to be as successful as he wanted them to be, as God had, de- had willed that they should be, as God's plan for them to be. That is usually not the reason why people like that in that one instance and in a few other times I've heard people be a little frustrated about like how dare you say that I am not already the Christian that I ought to be but for the most part most people don't have an issue with that what people usually have an issue with is when it comes to the gifts of the spirit and I had a part that I was going to say before this but I think to help explain the second part what I'm going to say, so I'm going to skip ahead on some slides. Or actually, I should be looking at Heather. Are you doing the slides? Thank you for your life. <laughs> but I'm going to jump to I'm going to jump to the gifts just to kind of help make sense of why this is such an issue and and some of the things where I'm expecting to get some fun questions in regards to this. The first I- the first time that to- that not tongues, but just the gifts of the Spirit are mentioned in general. In regards to exclusively to tongues, though, is Mark chapter 1, or 16. It is Jesus kind of giving his Mark version of the Great Commission. He says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, They would pick up snakes with their hands. When they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And the Lord Jesus had spoken to them and was taken up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by his signs, by by the signs that accompanied it. This is such a contentious issue when it comes to gifts that a lot of people don't even think that that should be in the Bible. Like, if, in fact, if you look in most of your Bibles, well, I, don't, I don't see many Bibles out, So, but Andy has her Bible out, so she probably sees it. But it's probably italicized, your Bible, when, when it comes to this passage, because, one, it was in later manuscript manuscripts. It's not in the early manuscripts, and so that's one of the reasons. But I also think that because of how controversial what is said in here is, there is a not a quickness to want to accept this as being worth being in the Bible. So, when it comes to spiritual gifts, we see spiritual gifts actually not originate in the New Testament. We see them originate in the Old Testament. And the first time that we see someone filled with the Spirit in order to be able to do a task is, if anybody remembers, Lennon Nolan said, said it, it was in Exodus. And it had to do with some very artsy people and builders, arts and crafts, yeah. They were the first people empowered to be able to do a task by the Holy Spirit. And then later on, we see more people have this. We see M- Moses, he, he's a prophet, and it says the Spirit the Spirit empowered him to be able to do that. We see Samson, the Spirit of the Lord, came upon him, and he did some crazy things when it came to strength. We see other things where David was able to, what was the scripture with David? I lost it. Oh, when it came to building the temple, the Holy Spirit empowered him to be able to p- to build the temple. 
we see the Holy Spirit come upon many different people to do specific tasks. We even see other people, other people, non-believers notice the empowerment. So when it came to Pharaoh, when he saw Joseph, he said, he said, um, I'm going to butcher this verse, but he said, is there what other man is there like Joseph where the spirit of the Lord is on him in such a way? Like even he noticed that the spirit of God was on him to be able to lead well. Like that was that was one reason why he had him become his administrator for his entire whatever. I'm not going to say dynasty. Uh, what do you call it? I guess kingdom. Not administration. Empire. I'm not satisfied with any of these words. We'll just put a blank there for his blank. Whatever. Whatever that is. Rain. That's not good enough either. I don't know. Maybe it's a me problem. I don't know. I don't know what I want. I'm so confused. But uh, in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we have a detailed look of the gifts of the Spirit in the New Testament. And if you want to read more about it, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 is just like, it's just real deep Paul goes way into it because he's working with a church where this the gifts of the spirit are present but they're abused and so he's trying to like clean it up so he says now about the gifts of the spirit brothers and sisters I do not want you to be uninformed this is verse one verse four there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit distributes them there are different kinds of service but the same Lord there are different kinds of workings but in all of them and in every and in everyone, it is the same God that at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for common good. For common good. The manifest, manifestation of the Spirit is given for common good. Not to, make, not to build you up, but to build everyone else up. So that's, what, that's the reason for this. That's, that's what he's saying. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for common good. To one, there is given the spirit of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And I'll go ahead and keep reading. It says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing and helping of guidance in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the, the greater gifts. Mm. I didn't want to read all of chapter 14, but I'm going to say some things that have to do with chapter 14 that you have to look in chapter 14, 14 in order to find them. This is what this tells me as I read this and as I look at other things in the New Testament related to this. First, spiritual gifts weren't weird to anyone at the time. When tongues were brought up or when other spiritual gifts were brought up, nobody was surprised where it was like, oh, snap, what did you just say? 
Oh, oh, so you're going to talk about the gifts of the spirit right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Like that did that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Like it, it was normal. It was so normal that people didn't people weren't surprised. Other things that we see Well, I'll just say it. Um you know, uh when it came to sp- when it comes to speaking in tongues, it said this is unique because some people some people I've heard some people I really respect have said things like, oh, yeah, well, the gifts of the spirit, specifically tongues, aren't needed today. They're not for today. It says that tongues shall cease and they have ceased. But the context of when it says tongues shall cease, it's not necessarily talking about this, but also and, and tongues will cease as well as preaching. Preaching will eventually cease and missions will cease and evangelism will cease. These things will cease because, you know, when the end comes, this stuff won't be necessary. Prophecy won't be necessary. Healing won't be necessary. We'll have new bodies. These things will cease, but certain certain things will not cease. I could go into that further, but I'll just may come up later. I've heard people I really respect say this. Tongues are only for the need for missions in regards to going and speaking languages that you don't understand to people who, to whatever people group you're in front of. But that's not what it says right here. It This is a different kind of tongue than the tongues that we see at Pentecost. And I didn't read the whole account of Pentecost because I just didn't want to read that much more scripture. I can only fit so much scripture in the time that we have. They spoke at Pentecost and there were a bunch of different tongues and a lot of people recognized their own tongue being spoken as they were speaking in tongues. So they didn't realize what they were saying, but the other people around them were, oh, you're speaking in my language, and you're talking about the glory of God. Oh, wow. But right here, this is a different kind of, different kinds of tongues, and it says this kind of tongue is said out loud, and then there's an interpretation given. So that's not, that's not abnormal to them. That's what Paul is like, oh, yeah, that's, 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 that's what it is. That's what tongues are. And then he talks about in chapter 14 how there is praying in the spirit as well. So we have almost three different types of tongues. We have the tongues where somebody is speaking, praying, like somebody is declaring something in another language and then somebody else recognizes it in that language. And they're like, oh, wow, that's amazing what you're saying. And then we have another kind of tongue where it needs a special interpretation because it's not understood what's being said. And then we have that specifically said in for in chapter 14, where Paul says, look, it's not good to pray in the spirit all the time, because if you pray in the spirit all the time, then people won't know what you're saying, which means that there is an acknowledgement that sometimes when the spirit. When tongues are happening, the language is not always understood, so it's not specifically for this overly practical use where it's like, oh, tongues are only to be able to preach to a people in a different language. I hope I, I hope I didn't lose you on that. But and if I did then you can ask me about it in the Q&A. But another thing that jumps out to me that he says tongues is at the end of both list. And he specifically talks he specifically starts at what's better, what's the greatest and what's the least. He does that in the second set verses 20 27 through 29. Starts off apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then different kinds of tongues. 
I heard someone say this one time, and I couldn't agree with them more, said, it's funny, tongues are the um, last on the list, but they're first in controversy. And it's so true. And it's funny because, and somebody, if you were going to ask, ask this, then I'll just say it now. Tongues didn't necessarily stop. That's one, that's one like, thing that people say, like, oh, well, hold on. When it comes to tongues, like, you don't even see it throughout history. Like, tongues, like, they're mentioned in the Bible, and they do cease. And then now people say that they speak in tongues, but that's not really biblical because tongue, tongues cease. But they didn't cease. They've actually, they've been around ever since. They've just, soon after this, they became very unpopular, which you could easily see why. I mean, it seems kind of weird. And so it became so unpopular that people said, Oh, yeah, this isn't biblical. But if I'm not mistaken, second century, a guy named Montanus, not Montana, but Montanus, he was like, hey, the church is kind of cold. It's kind of dry. Let's go and pray for the Holy Spirit to come. Let's pray for a second Pentecost, basically. The church isn't doing well. We need we need the spirit to move. So they pray and they start seeing miracles happen. And one of the things that they see are tongues. And anybody ever heard of Tertullian or Irenaeus? Irenaeus? These were really big early church fathers in like early centuries um, uh, from antiquity. And basically they were like, oh, yeah, what's going on here is biblical and really good. And so it went on for a while. But then Rome, the Roman government saw it and was like, oh, this is really weird. So you know what? We're going to say that this this is this is heretical. And so all of a sudden they started saying, oh, yeah, this is heretical. This is this is. This is n- this is not right. And then later on, we see other accounts where uh, uh, forgot his name. I was going to say Platonius, but he's not Platonius. His fourth century guy in his ministry. Ah, you can't forget his name. I'm going to go. I'm going to go and look it up. But basically, he was the first ever person to start a monastery. He was the first person to start monasteries. And he didn't know Greek or Latin. But he was able to pray in both of these languages through tongues. That's it. Pacomius. St. Francis Xavier. Told you I'd come back to the Catholics. St. Francis Xavier, one of my favorite people. His ministry was absurd. Did you know that, uh, was it Dio Moody? No, Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Microphones. Is it bad for microphones? Oh, I, I, I won't do it again. Don't kill me, Sean. But when it comes to microphones, Billy Graham had a microphone, and he he preached all around the world to thousands and thousands of people. St. Francis Xavier lived about 400 years before or 500 years before, one of the two. And it wasn't until Billy Graham that someone preached to more people than St. Francis Xavier he preached to that many people. He literally started in Spain, and he just, like, got saved, and he's like, I have, to, I have to start preaching. And so he started traveling. He wanted to go to China, but he actually didn't stop there once he got there. But he walked the whole way, or most of the way, and preached wherever he stopped. And he, the stories around his ministry are absurd, absurd. But a part of his ministry was a lot of healings, a lot of miracles, and tongues. You see it also with the Quakers. You see it also with the um, early Methodists and John Wesley. They had tongues in their meetings. You see it also with D.O. Moody. In fact, when it comes to D.O. Moody, 
uh, 18th century evangelist. It said tongues appear in the wake of his, pre of his preaching campaign, and someone was like, I found the meeting on fire when I came to visit uh, in Sunderland, England. The young men were speaking in tongues and prophesying. And then I was like, what on earth did that mean? Only that D.O. Moody had been addressing them earlier that day. That's how normal it was to them. I could go on and on. There's more and more stories. But we see tongues. They're consistent throughout history. So I don't know. What I'm trying to do here is trying to make it, trying to just emphasize what Paul believed, which is, Tongues don't need to be overemphasized, but they don't need to be de-emphasized. In fact, Paul says it specifically. He said, do not, do not keep tongues out of the church. I mean, he says that. And to me, I feel like I would be doing discredit to the kingdom to, dis, to try to remove tongues, to try to write them out of the Bible. And the reason I'm hitting tongues so hard is because usually people, people don't really argue about the other ones that much. Some people are willing to throw the entire baby out with the bathwater, but most of the gifts of the Spirit, people want to see. What? You don't like that? I'm sorry. And I have a baby, too. How? I'm so sick. Help me. But most people are willing to, like, throw everything out because they don't want anything to do with tongues. But it's funny how we like to pick and choose certain gifts. People still want prophecy. They still want like they still want words of knowledge. There's a lot of things of the spirit that we still want. We just don't want certain things because we think that they're weird in some way. And just the thing about that, like whole that whole like being weird kind of thing, like. When it comes to being filled with the spirit, it's. Yes, will you be weird? If you are filled with the spirit, you will be weird. You'll be quite weird, but you won't be like the weird that you won't be like a zombie walking around campus where you like can't control yourself. And you're just like, uh, the Lord told me to say this. And then you, you know, walk somewhere else and it won't be like that. I'm sorry, I'm killing this mic. But you will be weird. Will you feel less at home in this world? Yeah. Will you feel more like an outsider because your master is not the things of this world. Yeah. Will you care about people? more than they care about themselves yeah that's weird that's not normal will you love yourself enough to say no to certain things that could destroy you that will destroy you yeah will you love moderation will you love joy <laughs> yeah so much so that you'll say some things to say no to certain things that certain people don't want to say no to As I've said all of this, I want to go back to what I was about to say before this, and I, I kind of flipped it around just to kind of help you all out. As big of a deal gifts are, they're just tools to help us to be able to serve God and the people around us better. But the emphasis of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives is not, it's not gifts. In Galatians 5, chap in Galatians 5 it says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is filled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, you shouldn't bite one another. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. 
or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one with each other, so that you do not so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh, and this is verse 19, are obvious. And I'm not going to read them, but I will jump to verses 22. I will jump to verse 22. It says, but, this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And forgive me, Heather, I'm going to jump way back because I'm going to talk about a dude named Saul. And I'm going to talk about Samuel. Samson. 1 Samuel chapter 10. This is the first king of Israel, and his name is Saul. And when he is being anointed as king by Samuel, it says this, After that, you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand your hand finds to do, for God is with you. And then it says in verse 10 and 11, When he and his servants arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. When all, the, when all those who had formerly known him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, what is this that has happened to the son of Kish, to Saul, whose father is Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Why do I read about the fruit of the Spirit and then read about this dude? So anybody who's grown up in an environment where the Holy Spirit is talked about openly and you see people trying to live in the, in the gifts of the Spirit you can also see people abuse those gifts, which kind of makes it hard for you to even think, well, hold on. If this is such a great thing that when it comes upon you, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in this new and different way, you change and you have a new future and all these things. Why is it that why is it that that woman who just spoke in tongues can go and cuss this woman out in the parking lot? I thought the Spirit of God came upon her and she should be different. That does happen. That is an abuse of the gifts of the Spirit. But that does happen. And we see that even in Scripture. Because what happened with Saul was that he was, he was filled with the Spirit. But he doesn't have such a good ending. Or we see another example, which is maybe even a little clearer one, but I don't want to do as much reading as it took to say his. Samson. Many times the Spirit of God comes over him, and then yet he's sleeping around with this girl and that girl and is, oh, is, is consumed with his lust. 
how is it that he is like used by God to do these things, but then could be like so other in his passions, in his life, in his practices? Because he doesn't have the fruit of the spirit. He has the gift, but he doesn't have the fruit. And the goal, the goal of the filling of the Holy Spirit is that we would be like Jesus. And that the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is the mark of a life in the spirit. The fruit of the spirit. You can have the gifts of the spirit, but not the fruit. I'll say more about that, but I'll wait until it either comes up in the Q&A or I say it at the end. But if anybody has any questions, you can ask them now. Sorry, is this on? Yes, so if you want to ask questions, you can come either here or to that mic. Um, please speak clearly because this is getting recorded, and then stay up here so that Jordan can address you. So after being baptized in the spirit, is it possible for him to leave you? Mm, that's really good. When it comes to indwelling, I don't see anything in scripture that says that you would lose the spirit. But when it comes to being able to operate in the gifts of the spirit, yes, you do see that. You do see where people aren't used by God continually in the same way that they would hope to be. And so... That is, uh, yeah, that's my answer. Is that sufficient, or do you have? Okay. Hello. Okay. Oh, hey. <laughs> I, I'm uh, sorry. I didn't, I'm not used to this. So a lot of times in Scripture, it says that when they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, they also spoke in tongues. Is that a necessary thing, that you speak in tongues when you get baptized, or can you get baptized and the Holy Spirit without speaking in tongues the way that they did? Mm. What a question. What a question. She said, could you repeat the question? Yeah. Um, a lot of times in Scripture, when they got baptized with the Holy Spirit, they were they also spoke in tongues. Is it necessary to speak in tongues when you get baptized, or can you be baptized in the Holy Spirit without speaking in tongues? Like it, yeah. Hmm. I had it written down somewhere, but I have to do it off of memory. The first time that they were baptized in the Spirit was in Jerusalem, and there were many believers around them who weren't, it was just, yeah, so we have three specific like occasions where the baptism of the Holy Spirit was like unique in the sense where unique in regards to location. First Jerusalem, the second should have been the third was Ephesus, and the second should have been um oh Jordan, don't forget it now. 
It's not Corinth. It's not uh, Jordan. Well, the first occasion, it had to do with including everyone to show them like, hey, this is not an exclusively Jewish thing. This is beyond Jewish. And it it involved a lot of people from a lot of different, like, like I'm sorry, it was beyond Jerusalem. And so it involved a lot of different people from a lot of different languages. Believers who were outside Jerusalem who were brought in and invited in. The second place was unique in the sense where it was the center of Roman authority. Oh, it was, I almost remembered it. It was the center of Roman authority, and it was like, okay, not only does this include those who have a Jewish background, but it also had to do with people who were like, okay, this is even for the Romans. So it opened up the Jews' mind to the fact that, oh, this isn't, this isn't just us. In fact, that's, wh- that's why they went and talked about it afterwards, and like, hey, they even like prophesied and spoke in tongues, and they're like, oh, wow, yeah, I guess that, that was legit. And then later on, it was in Ephesus, which meant not even just Rome, but also going all around the world because it was Asia, the seat of Asian power, Eastern religions, and Eastern pagan religions, and that was in Ephesus. So you're like, oh, why am I taking this like roundabout way? I've heard some say that the reason for this was because that's what had to happen in order for it to open up the eyes of everyone involved to be way more inclusive because Jesus told them to go and preach all around the world, but they don't go all around the world. They stayed in Jerusalem, and then only when persecution came, that's when they finally left, and it was only when they were forced out, which I'm, I know God had a, big, uh, a hand to, had a big part to play in that. When it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, there are those who say that only if tongues accompany the experience of you knowing that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, only if tongues accompany it, will you be sure that it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Personally, I don't think that I could stand and necessarily say that, which is not the funnest thing to say out loud in a group of people because you you usually don't win. You end up making both sides mad. Uh, six out of the seven times, or seven out of the eight, I think it's six out of the seven times that people were baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time in the book of Acts, tongues accompanied it. Some people say that was only to show, to help show the other people around that this was a movement of the Holy Spirit. I don't know. My issue, personally, with it is that, one, the scripture that we read earlier where Paul says, do all prophesy, do all teach, do all speak in tongues. That is one of the things where I'm like, oh, hold on. So, Paul, you didn't even think, like, as normal as tongues were, you didn't think that everyone spoke in tongues? So that's one reason why I'm like, I don't know. But another reason is there's, you know, I like history, Sean, and there's a lot of people that we like to read who were greatly used by God, who prayed and asked that the Holy Spirit would fill them. And they believe that the Holy Spirit did fill fill them, but they didn't speak in tongues. In fact, 
I have a story by E. Stanley Jones. I don't totally agree with E. Stanley Jones and everything that he feels about this, but I do at least agree with this story. And I'll go ahead and read it to you. It says, um, basically, it says that he was a veter veteran missionary. We always quote his books and stuff. This was when he was in college at Asbury, Asbury College in Kentucky. He says, I was in a prayer meeting in a room when one of my fellow students, Dr. Jones, wrote, with three or four others, with no special emotion or expectancy, we suddenly, we suddenly and sovereignly, we were filled with the Holy Spirit, literally swept off our feet. I did not sleep at all that night. I could only walk the floor and praise him. For three days, no classes were held, and all were turned into prayer meetings. People coming from the countryside were converted before they, they would get into the auditorium. They would drop on their knees on the campus and be converted. There was no preaching, only praying and testifying to release in victory. Every student on the campus was converted. I wondered what it meant. Then I soon found out. I was prepared by this visitation for, the, for my life's work. I found myself saying yes to my call as a missionary. The evidences of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself was the evidence. No other evidence was needed or wanted. To ask for evidence would be like asking for evidence of the sun at midday. No one spoke in tongues, for it was not taught. That is one of many people's stories. Uh, another person that we really like to read, um, I'm not going to say his name, but he was extremely gifted when it came to teaching and preaching. We quote him often. <laughs> And it's, you know, many years since his death, but we quote him often. And he prayed and asked for the Holy Spirit, and he believed that he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then some people came to him and asked him, did you speak in tongues? And he said, well, no, but I'm certain. I, I, I remember the experience, the love of God, like it was so real, and I haven't been the same since. They said, well, because tongues weren't there, it couldn't have been that you being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he made the mistake of getting so frustrated about that that he was like, fine, if that's what you're going to tell me, then I'll throw the baby out with the bathwater. And he was just like, maybe the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't even for today when he was so sure of the experience that he had just because he was frustrated over people telling him that he wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit when he was so sure that God had gifted him uniquely when he had asked for this. And the crazy thing about it is we don't know anything about those people who, you know, had said that stuff about him. But we do know his name and we do read his stuff and we do respect him greatly. And we sure do act like the Lord gifted him. I'll also say this, and this is probably the biggest reason, and I'm giving you a very long answer to say this because it deserves a really long answer. The biggest reason why as much as I am a supporter of tongues, I cannot say that it is like you have to speak in tongues to know that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because that just seems so opposite of what I read when I read the Bible. I like patterns. Y'all know I like patterns. And um, when I read scripture, I see patterns where nowhere else in scripture are we called to look at signs as our certainty. 
but we're supposed to look to him and he's our certainty. Faith and trust in who he is. So when it comes to my salvation, the worst thing to do is to go and say, oh, yeah, I'm saved because I do good deeds. That's really, really bad. That's that's faith in works. And that's that's not faith in who he is. And that's not faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Like and in the same way with the Holy Spirit. Yes. There is. There is there's, you know, the saying, if you're going to believe in the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have to you have to speak in tongues. But that just seems like trust in something other than God. And then I feel like it's really easy to see those those unfortunate circumstances where you see people who have the gifts of the spirit, but they don't have the fruit of the spirit because their trust was in their gift and not in the giver of the gift, because the gift of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit, that's the gift. And then the manifestations of that gift are a few things that he uses us to do, um, to do his work. But that's a very long answer. Did, did I answer your question? You got a follow-up question for me? You going to grill me, grill me some more? I didn't feel grilled, by the way. All right, so you kind of answered this question um, in answering Sean's question. Um, So I grew up in a Methodist church, um, kind of the similar story with you, was never really taught about. Which is so funny because the spirit is so full of the Methodist movement early on. Yeah, like from stuff that I've read, like it's very prevalent. But but yeah, the church was like almost afraid to talk about it. Um, And when you talked about East Stanley Jones, you kind of like brought up like what I'm asking about, but... Is there a way besides scripture and people telling other people about the Holy Spirit that people can be gifted with the Holy Spirit? What do you mean? Like that the like could the spirit like pour out upon them just randomly or like is there like other ways that like they could experience the Holy Spirit without being told like for like churches or stuff that like do not talk about it? Yeah. I uh, I see what you're saying. Uh, two answers to that question. The first one is I think so, um, just because I, in the char- because of my trust in the character of God, like He's gracious, and I think sometimes we don't have the right words, but we have the desire in our heart to say to ask for certain things, and so He's gracious and He gives us things, even though we don't say it. We're like saying everything around it. We just don't have the words to like put it together. And the reason I say that is because also there's a couple instances where I had a story right here, but instead I talk about um, one of my former pastors. He his first his baptism in the Holy Spirit, he did speak in tongues and he didn't know anything about tongues. He had never heard about. In fact, he was kind of worried when he did because he was like, "Whoa, what is this This is really different. And he went and asked his pastor and he was like, oh, no, this happened. You're speaking in tongues. This is amazing. This is congrats. And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess this is amazing. And so. Like that, that was his introduction. And so, um, but I've heard not only, I've heard many stories of that happening where people were like really asking to like, they were saying everything around asking, asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They just didn't say it like explicitly because they didn't, that they hadn't yet learned that. Their heart was there, but their words weren't there yet. And so, yeah. 
Okay. Um, I'm not really sure even like how to ask this, but this is too tall for me. Um, I guess like what would you say to people who um, like people who have like clearly like the Lord's hand is in their life and they believe in things and have even like asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and haven't received it and like these people are like missionaries and things like that like when you talk about the car running only on like three out of the four cylinders like I guess what would you say to like those people's lives and like you know like the reasoning of of why like if they've truly asked for like that baptism and haven't received it like what what could the stem of that be? Uh, if that makes sense. If yeah, I, I think it, it makes sense. I think um, I think I have two answers. I'll just try to s- I'll start saying my first one. So I was going to bring up at the end uh, D.L. Moody and his experience, and I may still read his story about when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, but that came, like, in the middle of his, like, ministry and his life, and he had already done things where if 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 you saw any other – man or woman doing the stuff that he did before he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, you'd be like, this is incredible. This is obviously like the Lord's hand is on his life in a way where this is obviously the baptism of the Spirit. A couple women realized like, oh, he's not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so they prayed for me to be baptized. And his ministry right afterwards was so different. It was like, it was just, it just exploded. In scripture, um, we have the parable of the talents in the book of Matthew. And Jesus talks about how some people, you know, some people in the parable were given one talent, and then some were given two, and the other, and then another was given five. Some people were just extremely gifted. And some people can do some pretty amazing things even without the fullness of God. But if they had the fullness of God in that way, it would be even more incredible just what happens. But I will also say there are people who and this is like this is that was specifically an answer to a question of me thinking about the person that I talked to where they were kind of frustrated me to say, like, how can you say that I haven't been baptized in the spirit or don't have the fullness of the Holy Spirit when I've done all these other things for the Lord? And that's I think of them. I'm like, oh, you've already done some amazing things. Think about how much more you would do if you would ask for the Lord to give you his Holy Spirit in the way that is described in Scripture. But then going to the other side of your question, which is the side of, um, oh, I had it, and then I lost it. The the side of asking and then not feeling like, not speaking in tongues. And um, that's another reason why I, I'm just convinced that it is, it is really by faith. That is where our confidence comes from. And I have a, I have a close friend who, so I didn't ask for the I didn't ask to be filled with the spirit um, until like I resisted for a long time because I was just super skeptical. I, but I had a friend who wasn't like that at all. And I watched his entire journey and it it really humbled me. He basically what I remember he the first time he started, he went to church, went to an altar call and prayed for 45 minutes to and had people. Like, I mean, it was like a group of like five people praying over him, laying hands on him to like pray for him to receive the Holy uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he was like, yeah, didn't, you know, didn't speak in tongues. And, and then it went back the next week, and then he went back the week after that. And then he went to one of our, uh, one of our pastors, and he was like, what do you think? Like, I'm praying and I'm asking, but I, I, I haven't yet spoken in tongues. And he's like, man, honestly, I'm just looking at some things in your life, and I'm like, it, 
it it really actually seems like you have been you just haven't spoken in tongues but he was like i don't know how i feel about that that's what my friend said and he was like i don't know how i feel about that but if you ask him now interestingly enough he has spoken in tongues now but he also will tell you that he is convinced that he was baptized in the Holy Spirit long before he ever did speak in tongues. And so that is, um, yeah, that, that, that's my answer. Does that, does that make sense? Does that answer your question? I think we have time for like two more questions, maybe. Uh, what is the place of doubt, if any, in response to like other people's claims of experiences with the Holy Spirit, whether it be like speaking in tongues or prophesizing or prophetic praying, like how you respond to like what you think they did? What do you mean? Like I n- not um, like I certainly believe in these things, but I also certainly believe people who think they have that haven't. Is there a place for doubt in that? Or, like, how should you respond to that when you're doubting it? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't know if I know how to answer your question. Uh, I could say how I felt, and then you could tell me what more, what what other questions you have. So basically with me, like, I definitely struggled with, like, watching other people and being like, I don't know, I don't know. And for the longest time, it was, like, watching a couple of circumstances where I'm like, bro, you say you do all these things by the spirit like leading you and you've been baptized and you are i mean you are i mean if if jesus was around you i'm pr- i'm sure he'd call you a child of satan with the pharisees like it is like you a brood of vipers like i mean you are awful towards people and and you are so like the fruit of the spirit is so not evident and so i used to really struggle with like ah how could somebody be so messed up and then make these claims about experiences that they had with God and then it just like being able to study the Bible more and see like in times of scripture where there is a difference between the fruit of the spirit and the gifting of the spirit that's where a lot of my doubt like kind of went out with that because I was like oh okay like now I no longer put my trust behind like someone else's giftings or my own giftings where I'm like oh yeah because I did this great I therefore am great and so that really helped me to like step back in regards to, yeah, some people, some people, everybody has to grow, you know, and, and some people, it's interesting watching them have the gift, giftings of the Holy Spirit. And uh, yeah, I'll say that. But are you talking about doubt in regards to like you doubt whether like things really happen, like miracles or something like that? more not like if they can happen but if they did in that instance or like if someone tells you something that like they're saying they prophesied about you or something like that how you respond oh if it's a well if it's a miracle that they say happen then i just say like oh well that's cool and and i try to fight so i try i fight to trust people with that um yeah i just i just do but when it comes to prophecies like i just kind of step back and say well we'll see you know and i don't like I don't try to say anything for or against it. I've had a couple of people prophesy over me in my life. And when I f- first heard them, I like kind of freaked out. And I went to my spiritual authority and they were like, hey, Jordan, don't don't read too much into it. Don't try to seek it out. Just live your life. And then in time, 
you'll find out. And it's been very interesting what's happened since. But um, yeah, just when it comes to prophecy, I just I just really fight to trust people, and I try to make it so that you have to convince me otherwise. And um, and I try to take a, like a seat of humility in the sense where like, I mean I've 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 heard some stories like stories from friends who I respect greatly. I mean who've had things like I got I got a friend who's was a missionary in Africa and he watched someone's limb grow back in a prayer meeting. Like there was nothing there was nothing below their knee and he watched it happen. And now when I think about that and everything in my spirit cries out like, nah bro, that's not happening. No, nah, no way. But but nah I I, I got to trust him in that. And I got and I try to remember who I know him to be and like man, he's he's never led me astray in anything. And he's never he's never he's not someone who brags either. He's not anxious to tell that story. So, I don't know. I hope that I hope that helps a little. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. I have time for another story because I didn't tell my other story. Well, actually I already told it. It was Rachel's story. Um, not Rachel's story, it was Dio Moody's story when I answered your question. But, um, well, I will finish Dio Moody's story. So basically he goes, and then I'll tell Drew's story. Basically Dio Moody, you know, he goes and he has these two women who are sitting in the front row each week. And, yeah, I'm not going to answer any more questions, so thank you all. Uh, sorry if anybody had any more, but I have to finish. Um, Dio Moody's story, Drew's story, and then my last bit about um, – receiving the Holy Spirit. Dio Moody's story, basically he goes and he has these two women in the front row of his church, and they're like, oh, they're always praying for him there. They never look up at his sermons when he's preaching, and he gets frustrated about it, and eventually one day he confronts them, and he's like, hey, why don't you, why don't you actually pay attention when I'm preaching? Like everybody else is like taking notes and stuff, and you two look like you're sleeping each week, and they're like, oh, no, we're praying that you would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then he was like, what? What is, I don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Haven't you seen all these things that I've done? I don't, I don't need this. Like, I already, I basically already have it. And they're like, no, you don't. You think you do, but you don't. And he was like, how dare you? And then a little while later, he was like, well, hey, maybe I should just trust the Lord on this. And maybe they see something that I don't. And so he's like, I'll trust you on this. And a few weeks later, he goes on this trip to New York. And while he's there, like, he just has this experience with God where the love of God just kind of crashes down upon him in a way where he he knows that this was this was God's spirit pouring himself out on him which is something that I'll say no one who is baptized in the spirit I don't I did say the things that I said about tongues and and what I what I Jordan Goody this is Jordan Goody think about the initial physical evidence and all that stuff of whether you've received the Holy Spirit or not, but definitely throughout Scripture, if you've been baptized in the Spirit, you'll know. You won't You won't look back and be like, oh, I, I think that kind of happened. You'll know. You will know. You, you'll just be sure of it. And um, going back to his story, he, like, knows that he's been baptized in the Spirit, and he said, and he said this, and I'm gonna try to say it verbatim. He said, "I went back to preaching after that, and I didn't. My sermons didn't get any better, my words didn't get any better, my actions didn't get much better, but the fruit of everything that I did was so overwhelmingly different because of this experience, and my life was different from that point 
from that point in my life to the end, it was different. And then he says this, anyone who has not prayed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if your Christian life, if, if it's all these things happening and then you get saved and then there's silence and there's not this second, second experience, he said, I pity you and you're missing out. You're missing out so much. That's D.L.'s words. Sean's story about, uh, or it's my story, about one of Sean's guys. So in my path to me, really like letting the walls down when it comes to being open to the Holy Spirit, I was like skeptic, you know, back row butthole. Um, by back row butthole, what I mean is so in where we had Chi Alpha, there were people, because, you know, a lot of the seats were full, there were people who, well, it didn't matter if the seats were full or not. They stood on the back row or in the back wall and just kind of sat there with their arms crossed and they would stand and watch everything. And that's that was how they went. And that was me each week. Uh, someone else in here was like that, but I'm not going to call him out. Um, but, yeah, it was, I was a back row butthole back there. And sure enough, we have an evangelist slash spiritual miracle guy. I mean, he just has miracles. He goes and prophesying you know he's like hey over there this is gonna happen blah 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 hey you right there you're gonna be healed hey you over there blah 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 bam 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 and i mean this is like it's like 10 it'll be about five or five or ten different things throughout a sermon or whatever he's doing i mean it's just every night with him that's how it is and so he's coming in i've already seen him before i'm like all right i know what to expect and so i'm in my back back row butthole routine and i'm like watching and you know, he's, he's, you know, we're 10 minutes in and he's already warmed up. Hey, right there. Bam. You're going to have this happen. And sure enough, he's preaching and he turns and he says, he's preaching and he's saying some stuff about something, but he's all of a sudden says, Woo! did you feel that? And I'm just like, come on, dude. Anyways. And he's like, did y'all feel that? And he said, right there, right there. I don't know who it is, but someone's change just fell off. Wow. And then he, like, goes back into his thing. And I'm just like, oh, anyways, bro. No one, you could say that to, like, I could go, like, right there. Look, healing just happened. Bam. (laughs) And then I just move on. And you'll never know, you know, especially if the room is packed. I I could just wave that finger around. So it's like 12 people who don't, oh, was that me? I don't know. And then. So no one will be sure, but I don't have to deal with that afterwards. And so I'm like, this dude is fake. And I'm saying this, but I don't say this to anyone because I've been in Kaffa for a few years. So I just keep it to myself. And it's like months later, and I'm in my living room with Sean. You were there. Where, where, was it on the mission trip? No, no, no. It it wasn't the mission trip because I hadn't. Yeah, you know, I'm going to trust you because, you know, I already messed up with the Heather thing yesterday, so my memory is really struggling. Yeah, it was, I had a really bad memory about someone's <laughs> uncle, and Charles is really enjoying this. But um, <laughs> trusting Sean, so I am with Drew later on. Uh, this is the guy, ba- I'm killing the story. Later on, I'm sitting in a room. And someone is telling their testimony, and I'm just like, they're like saying this, and it's a powerful, powerful testimony. And then all of a sudden, they bust out and say, yeah. And so when 
a lot when basically everything kind of changed you know i was going in and out from partying like crazy alcoholism sleeping around like crazy and i just couldn't break this cycle as much as i kept coming back i just couldn't break this cycle i couldn't be free and then he said and then i just knew i had to come to kaiafa one night and so he left some like crazy circumstance i was like i'm i'm coming and so he shows up a little late goes to kaiafa sits right around there and sure enough sean smith is speaking and as he's telling this story I yeah I immediately um, my antenna goes up and I'm like oh snap, that's that night where you were like this dude is a fake you're so tired of this stuff, and he's going and going on about his testimony and he finally says yeah, and then the moment when everything changed was when something was said and he he'll tell you what was said but something was said and he said it was like I like leaned over. And something had just rolled off my shoulder, shoulders that had been there for years, this weight, and it was gone. And I was free. And then he says, and then Sean Smith turned to me and pointed to me and said, ah, someone just got freedom right there. The change just fell off. And I'm over here like, crap. Come on, are you serious? And that was that was monumental in me. Like I'm glad you reminded me of that, Sean. That was monumental in me, just really bowing. And it's a great segue to like just the to finish off. I didn't say much about accepting the Holy Spirit or inviting the Holy Spirit or asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For me, in that moment, I really just needed to bow and surrender and just say, hey, you know what? I'm tired of telling you. I'm tired of writing in how this is going to work out, how this is going to look. I can't do that anymore. That is one of the prerequisites for actually receiving the Holy Spirit. You can't come to him and try to make a deal and say, hey, I want to receive you, but this is how it's going to look. It better not have tongues in it or better not have prophecy. Or better only have teaching, or better only have like, or better only have the fruit of the spirit, because I don't want to be weird. Like, just, just step back and say, hey, you know what, Sovereign Lord, you are good, and you're not going to make me weird in a way that's going to hurt this world. The people who abuse this stuff, we have to stop judging things on the based on the abuses. Jonathan Edwards says this in his book, um, um, Religious Affections book, great book. I tell you to read it but you put it down after a chapter because it's so hard to read I, I mean I put it down after four chapters but um which isn't that far in the book it's not impressive but he says this he said we should never judge a philosophy based on its abuses you always judge a philosophy on its best example and many people have thrown out the Holy Spirit because we just judge it based on the abuse abuses some some person who is gifted by God but does not does not look like Christ and does not have the spirit working in them f fully that person should not be our reason for accepting or not accepting the Holy Spirit we approach the Holy Spirit based on who he is being in the Godhead being like Christ in every way that's how we approach him and we say I surrender and I trust you also you have to ask 
I think God is gracious with the people who are trying to ask but don't have the right words. But scripture makes it clear, like, you really have to ask. He won't. It's it's really cool. It's uh, the best example I see of this is in Revelations where Jesus says, behold, I stand at your door and knock. That is how the Holy Spirit approaches us. The Holy Spirit does not tell you, behold, I go and blow your door down and I come into your life without you deciding or not. Like, no, you have to invite him in. But if you invite him in, believe that he will come and let that be what you're looking for. Look for assurance from him. Not. This is me. When I read scripture, I am not to look for assurance and signs. I am. If I look for assurance and signs, I, I don't even think I'd feel saved. Because I I'm just like, Lord, I'm still not good enough. I'm still not where I wish I could be. And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. My hope in coming to him is faith and when i am assured that he has filled me that is my reason for for coming and approaching the holy spirit but that is um there are a couple other things i, I should have said i just remembered them i'm not saying them that was fun i'll pray and um this is really weird because usually after something like this you like have time where people can pray to receive the holy spirit i will make sure i say this though of the last three people that I know who've been who've received the Holy Spirit here at WVU, they did it with their small group leader and like in their dorm. You know, it doesn't have to be like you don't have to wait until Katie and Charles are singing and then you're like, OK, now I can go and pray like you can. Mi- most of the stories I hear of people like alone in their rooms or asking a friend to pray with them and praying until like coming to God and saying, I'm not leaving until I know that you've come Lord God thank you thank you thank you Holy Spirit thank you for your grace on us all thank you for um, thank you for using this Lord God I I just really believe that you've spoken to us Uh, a lot of things could have been said a whole lot better but Lord God you you don't need perfection you never have really You've never needed us, Lord God, but you really have invited us to do stuff with you. And I thank you for your grace. I pray, Lord God, that you would bless everyone here. For those who have received your Holy Spirit, help us to go again and really remember and live in the filling that we received. To ask again daily, Lord God, fill me. Fill me up with you. Use me. For those who have been praying but have yet to, to be assured, Lord God, give us the assurance that comes from faith. And then, as you always do, I know you'll confirm it so that no one is wondering whether or not it happened. Help us to know, but help us to come like rightly before you where we're like, we're just looking to receive you. And I also pray, Lord God, that you would just help everyone here to really want you, Holy Spirit. You offer yourself to us. You're a comforter. You're our advocate. You're so many things. Help us not to grieve you with our lives daily. And help us not to grieve you by just failing to take the plunge and to trust you and to ask for you. You're so good. You're so trustworthy. Help our minds to stay pure in regards to how good and trustworthy you are, no matter what examples are going going on around us. Help us to trust you. Help us, Lord. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. 
for what you're going to do over these next few months and years because of you entering people's lives with your second baptism. I'm excited, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.